Hello. Yo, uh, this is me, Tris Benbo, saying hello. Welcome to the first ever Pink Lizard Music podcast. Um, we are just going to have occasional podcasts, maybe like not proper radio shows. And uh, there could be anything happening on these podcasts. And uh, hopefully we're going to hear from a lot of Pink Lizard music uh, family. And uh, I'm really delighted overjoyed to have uh, the first of the uh, pink lizard music podcast feature a special uh, exclusive um encounter between uh, maria marzioli maria marzioli uh, from slum of legs and u and th and uh, many other bands uh, lots of whom are based in Brighton and the legendary Riz Maslin aka Neotropic Small Fish with Spine and uh, we may pepper it up with uh, a couple of interruptions with songs of theirs so uh, enough of this rubbish please um, do whatever you do with podcasts I don't know how to uh, set it up but I'm going to set up this up as a podcast so please subscribe wherever and um, we'll bring you some cool stuff some new music some conversation uh, with artists uh, unique independent artists because that's what Pink Lizard Music exists for um, enjoy the show he's gone now he's gone so and to our left we have the uh, marina yep the remains, well, the, the pier being rebuilt, rising from the ashes. How wonderful. Good on the Hastings. I'm looking forward to it. I wish they still had that Lido, though. Yeah, that was amazing. The Art Deco Lido. I remember that from, I remember swimming in that with this kid. It had, um... Apparently it was there till the 80s, was yeah, it? Yeah, till 1985 or something like that. It got torn down then. Because uh, um, it was a sea salt pool as well, so but it was really strange. It had um, algae on the bottom, so... <laughs> <laughs> Not diving down to the bottom of it. Yeah. Oh god, even just getting into it is a slightly nervous like ten year old or something. Oh, it was a bit no. a bit slippery and then all, all made out of concrete. Amazing, an amazing construction for uh, It's huge as well. Yeah. It's like an Olympic sized well, I've seen pictures of it and it's just incredible. It's yeah. just like wow, I wish I'd been able to see it in its glory. In its heyday in the thirties, yeah, it would be something else. That would be amazing. Yeah, it was um it was a bit dilap- I remember it being a bit dilapidated when I went there back in the 80s but it was still an impressive building and just lovely to be able to swim outside as well there's so, something quite nice about that's an enclosed space that isn't the sea yeah outside. yeah definitely not that have you swum in the sea here yes or yeah all my oh life oh gosh all my life you're braver than me have <laughs> you not been in yet i've got someone's just lent me a wetsuit actually to try it because um they do quite a lot of sea swims that are kind of well organized and i am quite keen to do it yeah. Slightly nervous. It's all right. It's good. You get used to it quite quickly. Because the sea's kind of a bit <laughs> scary. Because you think, oh my god, I'm going to get some riptide and I'm going to be gone. And I mean, it's. I don't know, it's kind of. And yeah. then you start thinking of all those terrible things like jaws. Yeah. Shipwrecks. And something touching my leg. <laughs> yeah. It's a conga eel. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> conga eel. You know, you think of all those really, stu- all those really yeah. bad movies that you've watched. Yeah. Going, uh, yeah. yeah. No, it's um, it, it's the it's the unknown quantity of it, isn't it? That's 
think. We can't see it. It's not like you can see clearly through the sparkling crystal waters here or anything. Okay, it's the channel, but it's grey. <laughs> it's got a hint of blue on the horizon, you that's think it. It's a little bit of blue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's cold. It is cold, but on a hot day, that's a lovely thing. It's a, you know, kind of pulls you right down. It makes you feel, makes you feel good to be alive. I've always something. I've got a really clear memory of um, swimming in the sea as a kid. Me and my sister when we were about, I don't know, I must have been about kind of six or seven, so she'd have been, well, maybe a little bit older than that, maybe older, eight or nine. She was, you know, kind of six, five or six kind of thing. Uh, in the summer and this storm starting and uh, you could hear this rumble of thunder coming in over the sea. There was no visible lightning because it was still daytime and I guess we just didn't catch it particularly. But you could hear the rumble of thunder coming in and all of a sudden these really heavy drops of rain just started falling around us and we were in the sea so we were already wet oh and it was God. raining. And actually I'd really like to try and write a piece of music that represents that. It's kind of been one of those ideas that I've had knocking around for ages and not done anything with. <laughs> that just sounds incredible. Yeah. Did you stay in the sea? Yeah, we stayed in the sea because oh it was just beautiful. God. It was so warm um, outside. You know, actually being in the water was was really, really pleasant. And uh, yeah, you could kind of, you could feel the tension in the air, you know, the way you mm. can do in storms when they're coming. And neither of us had noticed. We'd just been like splashing around in the water doing whatever it was we were doing. I do love thunder and lightning. Yeah. I, I just something just very, I don't know, naturally amazing. It's something so powerful and just the sounds. And then, I've always tried to catch the lightning bolts and never quite managed to do them on a camera. Yeah. So one thing you always try to do. Yeah. That's it. Then we, you know, it's the mercurial nature of nature. Isn't it? It's there and for an instant you experience it and then it's gone. I know. And then something you can't really ever quite grab hold of and pin down. Amazing. Yeah, I like it. I think we're from the storm tonight's movie. You think? Cause yeah. It could say that there'll be some thundering. Is it? Yeah. Is it already? Or yeah. do you think we'll likely get it here? It's going to happen. Yeah, isn't it? I'm sure. I'm sure. There's been enough heat in the day. Yeah. Do you um, do you use kind of sounds like that? Like oh, absolutely. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, in the early days, I always kind of collected stuff. I mean, you know, even stuff like. Back in the days of VHS, I'd constantly record things off the television and yeah. use bits of dialogue and even, you know, atmospherics on uh, in films and stuff. And then I realised actually, oh, why don't I just go out and do this myself? Yeah. And then I got myself, you know, handed in a recorder, yeah. which is great. But, um, I used to use a cassette player. Oh, really? Point. Like Dick's phone? Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> But they're lovely to self. And mini discs. Yeah. <laughs> They've all got their own aesthetic qualities. Yeah, I love that though. There's yeah. something quite nice about a cassette. I don't yeah. know, because you still get the kind of the analogue flavour of it, which I really love. Yeah. There's um, uh, a friend of mine who puts out quite a few tape releases over in, over in Brighton. It's really lovely actually. Kind of, I went out and bought myself a battered old radio tape player for a junction a few weeks ago and it's absolutely brilliant it's got a lovely shortwave radio on it as well oh so <laughs> you know, lots of experience in tuning things in and I get to play all my tapes that I kept I get so yeah, so yeah I can't I just dumped a load of stuff apart from stuff that I did sort of in the early days of making music when we used four tracks and stuff yeah actually that's something I'd quite like to go and find no, four track. Tasco and four track or something. Yeah, I've got one of those looking around at my mum's actually. Oh, really? Yeah. So the idea of just going onto cassette is actually quite, quite nice. Yeah. But, um, and also tape. I've, I have some friends who actually do a lot of stuff on tape. Yeah. And actually use it in live. We've used it a couple of times for some live projects and I just love it. 
I mean, it has a tendency to kind of slip sometimes or slightly speed up, but I kind of like that. Yeah, I like that as well. It's almost, I don't know, you kind of think of it like an instrument in its own, absolutely in its own right, you know, it's its own autonomous voice yeah. with just the machine that you're, I know whatever machine that you're using and it's going to be a bit different. I think there is a tendency now, though, for people to kind of want that analogue sound again. I mean, I love digital. I, mean, I love the easy access of digital, but then I think, hmm, it would be nice to have a few analogue synths. And then you start looking online and think, oh, God, that's so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to go and find some old guy who's got yeah. like a garage. Oh, yeah, I've got this garage full of stuff. You can have it all for £100. <laughs> I always nice. dream of those kind of things. They never happen to me. And then I meet friends. Oh, yeah, no, I picked up this, you know, whatever it was for, uh, you know, this old move for like uh, 30 quid. I'm like, yeah. oh, what? <laughs> I don't Share want, it. I don't want to hit it now. <laughs> it could happen to you. It could happen to you too. Uh, so yeah, I love that. But the, yeah, I do like a lot of. I think we're very. Really, it's funny. I was recording yesterday at home, and, it, and since moving here, all my recordings have seagulls on because mm. you can't escape it. Yeah. And I actually think it really adds to the whole kind of ambience of what's going on because it's kind of reflective of where you are. Yeah, and there's definitely. a little element of it sort of driving itself through all the work that you do. It's brilliant. I think. Oh God, there's another seagull. Yeah, <laughs> that's just funny. <laughs> Is location important to you in, in, in your work? I think I'm like from... Well, I'm asking this because it's, I don't know, I'm kind of, I'm inspired by uh, sort of landscapes and translating things that I see visually, so actually kind of my location things are quite important to me. I like that, I like to kind of try and use the sounds of a particular place in a piece that I'm making, or as an inspiration or something. I just, I don't know, I kind of wondered whether that was a similar kind of thing for you if you were interested oh, I think in you're right. sounds and, and you enjoy like having the seagulls come through your work yeah. anyway, it's important to, that it's made here at this time in this place because it did when I lived in an, in an urban landscape because mm. you'd have things like sirens and stuff in the background so I guess it's always been an element that's been there unconsciously as well yeah. and that's quite nice when you don't really think about it and it just happens to kind of sometimes when you get things mastered sometimes things start popping out think, oh didn't know that was there which is quite interesting because yeah. they're not always that obvious so yeah I think it's a really important thing also for a long time I've wanted to live by the sea so, something very unique about the sea yeah it doesn't matter what time of year it is having that on your doorstep because it the way the one thing I've noticed about living here is, is how it has such a huge influence on the weather and yeah. how quickly it can change. Mm, definitely. Which is such a, I don't know, it's just a, an incredible thing to watch sometimes. It's like you can go, what was I going out of, going out of Hastings sometimes? If you get to the top, it's sometimes it's, you'll see the mist rolling in and then you'll go down into the valley and then it's, not, it's completely different. Yeah. I love that kind of whole idea that the landscape changes so drastically when you kind of, I guess, see a such a huge influence yeah. on everything. When you're at the edge of places like that, you know, you yeah. can see the effect it has on the the world, the world that you're moving through much more clearly. Yeah, I like, I kind of feel like it sort of anchors me in where I am, and actually the, you know, in the way, it, I mean, cities do in, in different ways as well, kind of built-up areas and, you know, stuff where I can't see the, the edge of the land. Um, but it's something that, because it's always changing, because you get such a vast sky, it's almost like an act of... Uh, I don't know, 
it's almost like an act of prayer almost in a little way a bit of a moment of contemplation you forced it it kind of captures you because it's always different it's not the same lamppost it's not the same house that you've seen a million times it's not the same you know kind of shop set of shops or anything it's a constantly changing visual thing that's right there in front of you and you kind of without even knowing about it I think sometimes you you just you, you register that and you're aware of that and you take a moment to just kind of take that in and feel your place in the world a little bit more which you know I think you know that's part of the whole idea of meditation and prayer I guess in a wider religious sense is about that isn't it? it's about kind of being quiet and mm. recognizing where you are and kind of just taking a moment to be present <laughs> and in the moment and I think I don't know for me anyway that's certainly what being by the sea being by the sea does it captures you it captures your captures your attention more so than being in an urban landscape more so than being because you can't escape yeah you can't escape physically yeah from people yeah. i think the, the beauty of it here is and it's the one thing i did notice when i first moved is that certainly not somewhere where there's lots of people yeah but it's quite it, it feels quite terrifying sometimes going back to london now because it seems even more overpopulated than it was when I left two years ago so it's just like yeah. and a long it's like once I'm back on the train there seems to be this sense of calm that kind of descends on me and I suddenly feel like oh I'm actually going home now I'm actually looking forward to it as much as I miss certain things about London yeah of course have so you ever lived in a city a big city uh, I lived in Nottingham for five years when I was at university and um you know, it's about as about as landlocked as you could possibly get, <laughs> and you know, it's a big place. But in a way, I guess I, I didn't find it particularly overwhelming because it's quite a small city centre. You know, mm. the kind of it sort of sprawls out in a radius. It doesn't kind of just kind of grow as a series of interconnected villages in the way that London yeah. is. So I, I found it conceptually quite all right to get my head around having come from Hastings having come from quite a small place and I was so desperate to get away you know not everybody well you do don't you? yeah I think I think there's a really there's a lot to be said for actually just kind of moving away from your hometown and going out and being in the world away from everything you've known and grown up with and figuring out who you are and being independent and all the rest of that and you know you have the opportunity to you know get to know yourself a bit better away from all those preconceived ideas that you have about yourself from growing up with the same set of people and never really meeting anyone new in the way that you do in a small town it's always somebody's cousin's friend's dog's auntie's neighbour <laughs> <laughs> so uh, like going to Nottingham was actually you know it was it was it was lovely in that respect but I don't think I would have been able to handle like a bigger place like London I think that would have been kind of too much of a conceptual oh, I might meet somebody and they live an hour and a half away on the other side of town and I can't cycle there or I can't get you know, it's it does take get me. like that. It feels disconnected. I think oh, I'd have felt lonely in a place like that in a way that I didn't in Nottingham, really. What did you study? I did a contemporary arts degree. Did you? Yeah. It was a. Uh, it was uh, yeah. So it was a BA honours in contemporary arts, and it was like being in the kitchen flame for three years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it really was. <laughs> and it was a. Uh, so you got to, you choose you chose two disciplines from music, performance, visual art, and. What did you dance? Do? I did music and performance uh, as my two specialist subjects, and it, there generally were people wandering around, prancing in leg Doing warmers, in, leg warmers in, and warmers in the hallway, tables. yeah, and <laughs> jumping on the table. And there was a massive, great big basement downstairs, and the whole idea of the course was you to be new and innovative and go out and explore new experimental boundaries. And it was wonderful. And to be perfectly oh God, honest, it was an incredible course, but it was wasted on me as a teenager fresh out of. <laughs> 
in university. I had no idea how lucky I was to have all that equipment and all that space to explore and just kind of go and do what I wanted. And I did do what I wanted for three years, but my God, I could have used it so much, so much more. And it was that funny kind of time around about, so was it 94 to 97 when I did my first degree? So it was that, that, that funny, we had a Mac suite, a very, very early Mac suite, but everything was still reel to reel, everything was still oh, tape, and like tape. a massive 24 yes. track mixing oh God, desk. Yeah. And um, I've still got like some quarter inch tape knocking around at home with some old recordings from, <laughs> from university that I, you know, I haven't heard in oh God, 20 years. Yeah, I'm grab them and see what they sound like. But I wish I'd made more use of those facilities, you know, because that's kind of now that I feel quite held back by my lack of production skills for myself. You know, there's lots of things I'd like to be able to do with manipulating found sounds and using it in a more, more creative ways than, than I, I do presently. I mean, I quite enjoy just recording stuff and kind of putting it out there and telling little, you know, letting it be like a postcard at that particular moment in time. But that's great, though. Yeah, I like, I that. like that. Yeah, and I think just the act of listening, you know, kind of stopping and taking in your environment and listening to what's going on around you and and if is, is a is a wonderful thing it's a really really lovely thing if you can kind of encourage if you can share that with other people through recordings and still images you know i really enjoy doing that but actually what i'd like to do is use those those found sounds to make to actually make music from them you know using the sounds themselves but i lack really <laughs> you're kind of what, the production what do you use to, to see that logic uh, do you think in logic okay um but do you do you do things like what i've always done and i was very lucky because i didn't go to college yeah and i didn't do I, I mean i went to university but i did a multimedia degree yeah which was a waste of talent and a waste of money yeah i'm still paying off the debt but um oh. i worked with a couple of people who just turned me on to a different way of working with sound yeah and, and using it, use, processing it, and putting it through things, and then sending it back out, and then reprocessing it, and then cutting it up, and just changing it. Yeah. So it, it starts as something, and then turns into something else. But then you can come back to the source and use that again. And I yeah, love that idea. Ways, yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's not that difficult. I it's probably think. not. I think it's you know it's probably you know more of a boundary in my own mind more than anything else. Like for example, when I was out in, when I was in Iceland at the beginning of the year, I was listening to the engine of the boat, and it just had this really lovely rhythm to it, and it was great with the slap of the water against it, and it was kind of, it was its own thing. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have that, and I'm going to use that as the rhythm on a track of something. Yeah, I'll you just loop make it. Up, yeah, stick it through some filters yeah. and kind of pull out the... But I don't, but the thing, like, because I don't really know what I'm doing, it's all trial and error, I feel a bit, I think I feel a bit intimidated by... Oh, don't. You know, no, don't. Start, you you know? should just, just do it. Yeah. That's how I learn. I just kind of went, oh, that sounds good. She's that. Yeah. I think that's better than being somebody who's kind of so technically out there. You just think, I don't know what you're talking about. I know what I can hear and I know what I like. Yeah. And if there are people I need to help me, then I will. Yeah. Yeah, you shouldn't. Nah. No. It's like anything. (laughs) If you're an artist, you just experiment. Yeah. I'm really comfortable doing that with like. Uh, you know, my violin, or like to a certain extent, my voice. I don't mind doing a bit of vocal improvisation, for example. Like I, I do, well, and that feels very comfortable to me to do. But I guess it's the same kind of idea, except applied to stuff that isn't tangible. You know, it's a series of sounds that you've collected and uh, effects that don't really exist. They're just kind of noughts and ones in a computer somewhere. Yeah. That do that. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's it. I think because I, I kind of I lack. Some, the tangibility of it I find 
maybe that's what it is it intimidates me because I can't I don't understand how it works because I can't see it and touch it no that makes it that is yeah. intimidating though yeah. and you know you have to be quite mathematical I think to really appreciate that the kind of technical element of it yeah. but then if you look at it as a way of enhancing what you've done or changing it I think it really helps yeah and then you'll know what you like because you'll hear it yeah and you just come back to it. oh god is that the same thing yeah to approach it a bit more of an experience. Yeah. Your mind wouldn't be afraid of it. You're right. Don't That's what I'm going to do. I'm yeah, going to not be should. afraid of it. Because if you've got lots of stuff that you want to do, you shouldn't, you shouldn't just be inhibited by it and just go, actually, I'm going to go out and do this today. Because I think initially when I started doing things a lot more technical or, or using the computer more, it is quite scary sometimes because you think, oh, is that all right? And then you play it, what does this sound like? Oh, that's really good. Oh, oh okay. And then you kind of feel that more validated I think when someone says actually that's really good yeah I think if you've got it's all about an ear for what you like and what you th think you can do and I think that's half the battle yeah so don't you know, go out and do it I don't say do, do it. it do it do it because <laughs> you've got such a great musical ability you know playing violin I always want my sister played the violin yeah Still time. Uh, <laughs> I played the flute. Oh, there you go then. So, it's a little flute and violin <laughs> duos. Oh, lovely. Yeah, exactly. Oh, let's get them out to do some kind of performance. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, in fact, I saw you doing something the other day. You put something on Facebook. It looks something very classical. Oh, yeah, I did. Um, With, I, what's his name? Daniel. Do you know Dan McKenzie? Well, I... We've spoken a lot over oh, the years. Really? I didn't realise he was playing. The oh yeah, yeah, that was lovely. Actually, he's he's. Uh, so you never actually met him in person? Not per in personally. Oh, no. He's one of the warmest, loveliest, most kind of. He's, he's a light that shines, you know, and he's just Aww. warm and lovely and a wonderful, wonderful guy. And uh, yeah, so he'd written a a piece for a performance that's celebrating Terry Riley's 80th birthday and there was a performance of In C taking place that night and uh, three other compositions that were either Terry Riley pieces or inspired by him. Four other compositions. That's amazing. Yeah, so that's what um, Dan's piece was. And that was a really, really lovely experience of playing that. Played in one church over in Brighton and Grand Parade using their lovely, lovely organ. So Dan was on the organ and I was playing the violin and that was an improvised piece. So there, there was a structure that Dan had come up with and he had an idea for how he wanted it to progress. And um, we went through it once earlier in the week and then did it <laughs> That's all on the often, performance. Oh, I yeah. like that, though. Yeah, it was. It was really, felt really authentic and just, you know, I felt really in it, you know, in, in the way that it was great. Because that doesn't always happen. No, you know, it doesn't. can take over and you get a bit detached. Oh, yeah, of course. It yeah. But it's, when, it's, when it happens and it works, you're yeah. just like, oh, my God, did yeah. someone record it? Yes, there is a recording book somewhere. Yeah, something worse. I'm thinking, did someone record this? Yeah. <laughs> no, he he uh, contacted me about some electronic festival they do in Brighton. Okay. But I don't know what happened. It was all very last minute, and then they lost some funding or something. And and then he put out, he's put together a compilation of something as well, some music thing that I contributed to, but I don't know what happened. So. Okay. But every, every now and then he contacts me. Yeah, so. yeah, because they did um, a festival in New Haven last year called Thought Process. That's that, it, that's it. That's and that it. was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. Just a brilliant day, and I helped set up for that. So I kind of got to know Dan a lot better through through doing that work. 
and um, yeah, that was excellent. Like, have you ever been to New Haven Fort? Only passed through it. I've never actually yeah. been in. Yeah, the fort is incredible. <laughs> the fort is just nuts. <laughs> it's full of these just kind of long corridors and hundreds of steps you have to go down open up into these rooms and, oh and so as a, as a space as a space for performing in and you know sonic interestingness it's it's amazing it's all kind of buried and hidden and long tunnels and lightning tunnels and just oh really really God. interesting set of spaces so yeah and it was wonderful and they had kind of like loads of, loads of installations and various performances happening over the course of that day and yeah and they were hoping to run it again this year but sadly the arts council did not come through for them this year so it's such a shame because yeah. it's very difficult now, I think, to get funding for things. Yeah. And um, and it was a real success. It was, you know, it was really well attended and was a really interesting event, particularly to do a new home, I think, which is quite a, a um, you know, underrepresented, an underrepresented town, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. But I think there isn't a, as much money as around, around as there used to be. No. Yeah, now Slum of Legs. Yeah. I love that name. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Such a great name. And you're all female. We're all female. We're six girls, yeah. That's just fantastic. Yeah. I yeah. That. It's interesting though, isn't it, that it becomes a point of discussion. When it, oh, you, yeah, I know. Yeah. And, it, and it does become... I, I, and I guess kind you of get so, the same thing as yeah, well. Yeah, you know, it does become a, a bit like, oh, you're a woman. Yeah, yeah. yeah and... and yeah. <laughs> And I'm a human being, so are you. Yeah. But I think it is, you are the kind of in the minority, and especially when you are a collective as a women, people always immediately think, yeah, that's great. Come on, feminism, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But, and I just remember when I first saw the name, I was just like, what a brilliant name. I just love the name. Yeah. It was from, um, uh, it's a quote from Aero Sirenen, who designed the pedestal chair, pedestal tables. Oh. Uh, yeah, so he said, uh, he, like, he looked at the undercarriage of tables and chairs, you know, kind of like seeing all the legs and everything. And the, the, the undercarriage of tables and chairs makes for a confusing and unrestful world. I wanted to clear up the slum of legs. I wanted to make the chair oh, one thing again. So that's God. where that comes from. How brilliant. Yeah, which, but it's just a lovely phrase, isn't it? Oh, look at the memoration. Oh, yeah, I love the story. Just, just took off like that. But yeah, yeah, that's um, yeah. Tamsin, the lead singer, was from the Summit Two exhibition in London. Came back, she's like, "I've got the name of our band." <laughs> so are you all Brighton based? Yeah, we're all Brighton based. And you've been together for how long? Uh, two and a half years now. I think something like that's that. Good. Yeah. What made you guys guys get together? Was it just a spontaneous thing? Was it kind of organic? Tamsin and Kate went to ATP and were fed up with the amount of boys <laughs> there were you know they were just like there's just like hundreds and hundreds of bands that are all men where's the women where's the representation where's the where's the female voice here come on we could do better than this and they were just bored you oh, know good for them. so uh, and they were like right let's start a band and i'd played in a band with Tamsin before so she got in touch with me and then she also contacted uh emily who plays keyboards um who she'd met through just going out gigging in brighton just like my face she saw all the time so they ended up talking and um, Emily um, played uh, with a place with a band called Chemistry Experiment as well. It's been going on for about ten years or so. And then um, Michelle so, uh, is our drummer, and Tamsin knew her as well from previous things. She was in a band called the Blue Monkeys as well. So kind of gathered us all together, and we had a rehearsal. And we were like, oh yeah, well this is. Uh, her and Kate had worked out some stuff That's already, so and um, we were like, yeah, we need a bass player. <laughs> So then Alex came on board as well, who was a friend of Emily. So none of us would have... It wasn't that we all knew each other. We kind of knew various people. Through, through someone yeah. else, yeah. Yeah, but we've all, you know... 
we're, we're all genuinely really close and it feels like oh, you know my nice. sisters you know oh and, that's good yeah i mean there really are lovely... a few successful female bands i mean i guess you look at bands like sweet kinney yeah i mean i was like them they were kind of from way back. And yeah, then you had ba in. Babes in Toyland. Yeah, well, these are all kind of reformed and toured recently, isn't they? Well, I met. Uh, what's her name? Bambara. The drummer yeah. from Babes in Toy Toyland. When I, I did an album in Minneapolis. Yeah. And you, you kind of get this image of somebody and then you meet them, and she was completely the opposite. She was so sweet, yeah. so nice, just not at all what you <laughs> expected to be, yeah. you know, riot oh. girl, but she wasn't. It always excites me when I see a female band, you know, because it's just like, yeah, fuck the boys. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. I mean, it's, you know, it's about the visibility of women on stage, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's it. You know, the visibility of women in... We're there. We're, you know, we're 50% of the population. You know, we're massively underrepresented, I think. But we're still yeah. underrepresented, though. And when, yeah. you look, when you start looking at... Um, you're looking at festivals and you start trying to pick out female I'm not sure maybe yeah. it is dominated by male artists and male bands and it's just still really hard even in the 21st century because you still become almost like this like, you know oh well you know oh it's a woman oh great you kind of become this kind of almost, Quietly patted on the head you know, yeah. and it's quite patronizing you know, yeah. and, I don't, and I just feel it's really sad that it's still that's still very present and you still hear people talking about it. I think Grimes was saying something yeah. recently, in, well, last year, a couple of years ago, about how she did a gig and the soundman was a complete asshole and just completely thought she didn't know what she was talking about and she knew what she was sound she wanted and he was just, you know, really unresponsive. And it's just like, come on. Yeah, that, that's so, so rich, that assumption, isn't it? And, you know, the kind of bar patriarchy, etc., etc. It's just horrible. It's, yeah, it's just completely. So, I don't know, what, I can't believe this. <laughs> I unbelievable that it's still going on. And yet it is, it's so entrenched. But hey, maybe yeah. this is a turning point for us all. Oh, I agree. I hope so, so have you got any gigs coming up? Slumber uh, Coming to Hastings? Uh, we should come to Hastings. We should come and do a gig at Rock House. Uh, I think you should. Yeah, I'm going to have a word with Kate about that. It's, um, it's you know, obviously there's six of us. <laughs> like trying to coordinate diaries can be a bit difficult. Yeah. So the next... next gig we're doing is actually in Norway we're going to oh my god how amazing <laughs> we're going to play a festival called Indie Fjord in uh, next weekend actually. oh my god yeah. that's amazing so yeah that's exciting we're off in northern Norway on a fjord indie music and fjords oh my god that's fantastic yeah it sounds lovely so I'm really excited about so that so how did that come about did you just got, they just asked uh, yeah Tamsin went last year and it's a really small place and it, basically it's organised by this woman uh, uh, and in this in this quite small town where it sounds like she's related to everybody so you stay with her or aunt or you're going to stay oh, with her cousin and still so, be amazing. yeah it's going to be beautiful so quite a small festival so she got to know her and everything and then oh. she was like oh yeah we're in a band and you know, she, they checked it out and then they asked us to come and play and we were like yeah definitely so we're closing the festival on Sunday God, <laughs> yeah we'll spend all weekend as well kind of like moderating our, <laughs> oh, ourselves so, uh, that's so brilliant yeah, so that's great yeah I'm really excited about that Oh yeah, it's nice to be able to do things like that. Yeah. Actually, are you, do you do? Do you do, you do much live gigs? Yeah. yeah, gigs and things. I do now because I've got actually since moving here, I've managed to find a group of people. Because before I used to have bands and it was a similar mm. thing. No one was ever free. 
And I didn't really like going out with me in a laptop because to me it just didn't feel right. Yeah. You know, and I think you can translate a certain amount what I kind of produce live. Since moving here, I've done a couple of shows. I did the Sunday Sonics thing, which Danny Pockets did. Yeah. Which was amazing. And I've just met a bunch of musicians who were just so... It's funny, we, we play in each other's bands, and it's quite interesting because we're all very different. And uh, we did a show at the weekend in Leon C, a folk festival. Awesome. But we had this kind of common thread running through all of our conversation about how we felt there was a lot of trust. Because we don't always get to rehearse. In fact, probably not. Yeah. We're probably very rarely in the same room when we rehearse. So we just all come together and play, and it just seems to work. It's just something... I've never had that before with a band, ever. And it just seems to work. So, yeah. And I, I'd like to do more of it. It's just, you know... We've, we weren't played... Actually, we played a festival last year in... Finland. Oh, wow, really? Which I was amazing. Yeah. It was amazing, because we, we took the ferry from Stockholm. Yeah. And then we did that whole thing through the night, you know. Yeah. Slight, oh. all the fjords. Oh, and, my God, amazing. And uh, it was the most incredible thing to do. It was just so lovely. And... It's quite rare because we got paid as well, so it's kind of nice when that happens. Because <laughs> yeah. often they go, oh, "We don't have any money, but we can put you up." And I don't mind if it's that. Yeah. If they can put you up and they pay for your flights, or yeah. they can pay for your cost neutral and experience. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. That can have its own value. Yeah, and for me, that's just an amazing thing to do. But I love playing live. Yeah. I never used to. I used to get really terrible stage fright. Yeah, and uh, I think now. As time's gone on, the more you do it, the more you kind of feel more relaxed with yourself. Yeah. But, you know. Is that kind of partly being like a focal point as a vocalist? You know, I think you do, you get quite a lot of <sighs> pressure. People looking at you, what are you doing? You're the ones actually there, I know. Kind of being at the front of the stage and drawing the attention. <laughs> and I never really enjoyed that aspect until probably in the last two years where I've actually kind of found myself. I think because also I've been in someone else's band and the yeah. pressure's taken off you, you suddenly think, oh, I quite like this. Yeah. And so then you be kind of become comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. I think you're always slightly nervous of your own being sometimes when yeah. you're up there. Yeah, so I think that's quite a good thing, though. I think those nerves keep you sharp, I agree. actually. I think if you didn't if have you're not nervous, being, I'd be slightly worried. Yeah. I don't want to be one of those kind of arrogant kind of... Oh, yeah, just yeah. turn up, do it. Phone, the phone it in. <laughs> no, not at all. That, not to me, all. would defeat the object. Yeah. Oh, Good. That was a lot of conversation here. Yeah, half, 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 half an hour. Half an hour. Half hour chat. Nice. Nice. And look, the tide has gone out a bit further. Oh. 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 Like Rest of the Amsterdam. Boat. It's lain here for over 200 years. Oh, uh, there you have it. Um, I didn't interrupt that with any songs because I thought, why would you interrupt a conversation that's in flow? That was um, Maria Marzioli and Riz Maslin in conversation in Hastings. Uh, they go off now to look at the wreck of the Amsterdam, which is an interesting story. Uh, search that on the on the Webity web. I'm not going to say Google it because Google's evil. So, um, but we should have some music from these uh, titans of the audio sphere. So, um, here's here's uh, something by uh, Riz under her uh, Neotropic guys, uh, which recently came out on uh, a Chilean net label called Modismo, um, and uh, which contains a number of very fine tracks. Uh, it was put together with female pressure. Um, and uh, here is Pleiades. Mm-hmm. 
or Pleiades.
marvelous uh, that in fact this has a very long uh, quiet uh, decay on whatever that piano note is so while that's going on just to say um, thanks for listening coming up uh, a song by Maria's band Slum of Legs who are out to um, uh, play the Indie Fjord Festival this weekend so get jump on a boat train whatever you've got to get to and get out to see them there um that's been about it for this one so um subscribe or do something like that because um there's many more things such as this which will occur and be equally good some will be worse some will be better woohoo this is um me signing out happy birthday Tower, the laughter of ghosts, we are your final hour, abide your ghosts. Oh.